10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Well, hello, friends and family. Thank you so much for tuning into Every Day is a Saturday podcast with me, myself, and I, Brian Roof. Hey guys, you're listening to episode 12, A Boot in the Fleet. If this is your first time listening, you may want to go back and check out episodes 1 through 11 so you can get caught up. In the last episode, I talked about schooling for warehousing and or supply and shared my experiences and stories. We left off with my orders for 29 palms that ended up being wrong, thank goodness. And then me being told that my orders were actually for Camp Pendleton, California which is the place I really wanted to go. So in this episode, guys, we're going to start with me checking into Camp Pendleton, and then I will kind of talk about how my life was on base up until a very tragic uh, time for the United States of America, which was September 11th, 2001, because I tell you what, uh, things on base definitely changed a lot after 2001, so... That's basically what this episode is going to be, so let's go ahead and get into our buddy check before we go. And it's buddy check time. Hey guys, today's buddy check is going to be a little bit different than what we're normally used to, but before... I get into that. I just want to uh, check on everybody out there. Make sure that you're doing all right. If you're really struggling and you don't have anyone out there to talk to, please reach out. There's a crisis lifeline you can uh, call, and all you got to do is dial 988 and then press 1. And if you don't feel comfortable talking to someone, you can text it 838-255. Again, that's 838-255 or, again, 988 um, don't feel, you know, uh, less of a person or, you know, any of that to go get yourself help if you really need it. Um, there's people out there that can help you try to get you out of whatever mindset you may be in. But hey, I want to, uh, put this guy on the map. His name is Jason Rhodes. If you haven't had the opportunity to go back and listen to the interview with him, I suggest you go listen to it. He has a great inspirational story. Um, he also has a nonprofit organization. It's called Renovet.org. If you guys can go check that out for him and give him all the support, whether it be prayers, you know, if you are on his uh, journey, which he is um, walking from Sanford, North Carolina to Austin, Texas, and if you happen to see him, you know, give him some words of uh, courage and maybe a, wa- a bottle of water and maybe, hey, a little food or something. But anything will help this guy in his journey he's really trying to do something great he wants to help you know veterans not only just uh, military veterans but people like first first responders and even families of these people Um, he wants to help them in terms of if they need some kind of a you know a renovation done to their home uh, say they're in a wheelchair and they need like a ramp up to their house that hey he's the guy for that and that's what he's trying to do and he's trying to set up places along his walk to where he can set up uh you know a organization or whatever to help support his cause so he's doing something absolutely amazing and if you guys can give him all the love and support his name's jason rhodes again his organization his nonprofit organization is renovet.org that's r-e-n-o-v-e-t.org all right guys and that's going to be our buddy check for the day 
All right, friends, let's wait no further and let's go ahead and get into episode 12, A Boot in the Fleet. All right, all right, settle down, settle down. It's going to be a halfway decent story. I know everybody's happy. <laughs> um, all right, guys, so hey, checking into Camp Pendleton, Oceanside, California. All right, what a different experience this was from checking into 29 stumps because you know i guess you hear so much so many things about these different places so you know you kind of i think that has a big thing to do with how you feel going into something so someone's crapping all over a situation obviously going into that situation you're not going to be thrilled and with someone's glorifying another situation you'll be definitely happier to go into that situation right so it's kind of how it was from 29 palms to going over to camp pendleton california totally different feel and i think just driving there and when i got there the it was definitely a lot cooler because um, if you guys listened to the last episode it was around august time frame so dead dead ass summer um, extremely hot so going to camp pendleton oceanside right by the beach the weather itself was nice the smells i could remember just the even the smell there's a very distinct smell with oceanside and i know um, if you guys been to camp pendleton you would agree with me that there's there's some kind of a smell because even when i've uh driven down there with my family and we've passed by rolling down the windows going past like edson range or something just ah, smell that smell that camp pendleton air something about it well anyhow so uh, when i was driving down from my uh, parents house it was the evening time um i got to camp pendleton they ended up putting me in a room kind of similar to how it was at 29 palms um so they put me into a, a, a like a like a holding room and then they told me in the next morning that you know i'd go you know report to uh it was 20 it was the 22 area supply battalion supply company first fssg don't ask me to uh explain what fssg is because i do not even remember myself <laughs> but anyways um so i got in that room of course it was pretty dead ass quiet uh nothing to do but pretty much go to sleep because um i'd there was no TV in these rooms, and back then, again, I must, you know, stress that we didn't have any kind of cell phones or anything like that to keep us kind of occupied, because, jeez, man, I could have had, you know, a cell phone back then, and if I was sitting in a room, I could be going through watching all these podcasts and all these things, <laughs> but we didn't have that, so all I did was uh, pretty much crashed on out, um, anticipating the next day, and I was super nervous of, of course, you know, checking into every duty station. Like I've told you guys before, it's a whole thing that you have to do, and it's very nervousome. And um, I don't know. I just, I, but being that I already had to do this one time before at 29 Palms, I did feel a little bit at ease on it because now I kind of knew what to expect. I knew um, I already had done it, and now. Um, I just have to go do it again. And of course, you know, you never know though who you're checking in with and what you're going to get. So when I go to check in to a uh, supply company, I go and I go check within, um, it's a master gunnery sergeant. 
dude's like, to me, man, he looks like he's freaking seven foot tall, and he's just a big guy in his, uh, he was Master Guns magazine, and he just had this big old deep voice to himself, I mean, uh, he just like, hey, what's going on, devil dog, and I mean, a fool would pretty much make your body kind of shake just with his, uh, deep ass voice, <laughs> right, he's just had one of those dang voices, I'm telling you, it's so loud that it uh, shook you. Um, but, uh, I checked in with him. He basically told me to go get myself settled in at my barracks. And, um, I was like, all right, got my sea bags. We're already in the car. Um, after I checked in with them, they told me, uh, that I would be reporting back the next day and, um, just to kind of go from there. Um, I don't recall a lot of that kind of situation because, um, it's the the checking in part you're so stressed out i think you kind of mentally block it a little bit <laughs> but i do recall going to my barracks the very first time and um i am in my you know alphas i totally got a sea bag with me i totally look like i'm fresh out of boot camp so i'm a target to you know any marine that's out and about um i'm on the second deck where the uh, barracks are I'm going up to the second deck I get on the uh, catwalk as we would call it and I'm walking down the catwalk and I see these guys and they're all like sitting outside the rooms and they don't got any blouses on and you know I'm like oh shoot man I'm fucking I'm kind of like you know kind of like oh no I'm gonna have to go past these guys I don't know what rank they are or anything like that and in boot camp there's a whole thing if you like go past officers you're supposed to be like by your leave sir and you're just trained a certain way so i'm kind of like oh shit so i'm going past all these dudes and sure as hell here we go fucking one of them gotta talk shit and he's like hey devil dog where are you from and i'm like uh lancaster california and and i didn't know how to address him because he's not wearing any rank and He's just like, what the fuck is that? And, and I'm just like, oh, shit. And he's like, no, nah, I'm just fucking with you, man. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, what? You know, he's like, man, I'm actually from Palmdale, too. And I'm just like, what? Because he's like, I saw the uh, your uh, your plates on your car. And I just thought I'd fuck with you. And I was like, oh, shit, man. Oh, fuck. All right. So he's just like, you're good, man. I'm just fucking with you. And so I just kept on walking. And uh, I get up to my door and i can just hear like boom 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 boom, just like some fucking hardcore music going on and i'm like damn dude this dude's bumping so freaking i go open the door and my my fucking i have a roommate in there his name's jason sally dude has like um like a go-tooth he's all smiling and shit like bumping and he's all dancing what's up dog hey and i was like you know, hey man, I'm fucking uh, your new roommate, and he's like, oh no shit, dang, all right, dog. He's like, that's gonna be your rack right there, and I'm just like, oh shit, okay, man. And uh, dude was fucking totally friendly, um, great guy, very welcoming. It was different for me. He's bumping some dirty South music and shit, and I'm just like, this fucking white boy coming in like, hey, what's up, dude? You know, and. Uh, what two different guys from two different walks of life, but it, it, you know, it did work itself out and, you know, um, he was a really good roommate. Unfortunately for him, 
he couldn't stay out of trouble and he ended up getting himself in trouble using drugs and stuff like that and, and eventually got caught on a um on a piss test and they ended up kicking him out and that really sucked losing him you know as a roommate because uh, he was a you know he was a good guy and we played football for a while on the same uh football team it's just that he himself couldn't refrain from you know the the temptations that are outside of Camp Pendleton and uh, unfortunately he fell victim to that and and got booted out so whenever someone gets booted out they you know they sure as hell have someone new for you and it, the way I mean it kind of works is you know when you're the senior person in the room you get the best rack and if you're the the boot the newest guy in the room you get the shittiest rack which is typically the top bunk um, we all kind of hated the top bunk. Um, but, uh, so it's kind of, you know, it, it sucked losing him, but it also, you know, kind of made me bump up in status in the room to where I'm now the more senior guy in the room and I get to choose where my rack is. And, um, we go through that whole vicious cycle of boot, take the shit rack. <laughs> um, but let me tell you, living in the barracks in supply company, um, first FSG. Wow. They're, uh, they had newer barracks over there. So they were super critical about keeping them basically always looking new. And I don't know if it, you know, well, I do know because I did end up going to a different unit, but these guys were so fucking anal with, uh, field days. It was horrible. Like we would fail all the damn time and God forbid if the company gunny was having a shit day. Oh my gosh. He would go into the first room, find the most, you know, irrelevant, uh, crevice in the fucking room and go swipe his white glove against it and say, there's dirt behind this. That probably means every single room's got dirt there. Everybody fails. And then we would go through this whole bullshit of, all right, so now that we fell, how it works is, okay, so typically on a Thursday night, we would do field days. All right, so on Friday mornings, we get up, we go do our uh, physical fitness day or whatever, go run. And um, after that, we would go to our rooms, try to get dressed and not get the room dirty and go to work. And then while we're at work, uh, the company gunny and a couple others, sometimes it would be our NCOs that we worked with, would take a walk and do uh, inspection of every single room. Now, they could be assholes if they're not filling it that day and just fill everybody or, uh, you know, or they can just fill the individuals that truly didn't do what they were supposed to do in their room. Now, I've been through several bad ones. One horrible time for a filled day. Um, this is a pretty good story. Someone hated I'm not going to say someone. Everybody hated the fucking company gunny. He was a real prick, real asshole. Um, no one liked him. Someone found out who, what car he drove, I guess. And um, they keyed his fucking car. And they never found out who actually keyed the car. But he took that out on the whole fucking company. Uh, it, that whole barracks, all the rooms were just failed that next morning and my gosh 
the games that we played that night after we got off. This was, again, we got off on, this was Friday, so we were supposed to get off and have, you know, Saturday, Sunday off and report back on Monday. But if you failed the freaking barracks shit, then you had to stay over and get inspected, at, you know, Saturday morning. Well, <laughs> this dude, we found out, you know, hey, because what they do is when they fail the whole thing, they call the uh, your work and they let the sergeants and all that know, hey, after, you know, when 1630 hits, you send those fools over here. We're going to be doing a refill day and recleaning the rooms. And so we got the call that day. The fucking rooms failed, and it was probably the biggest. I've never seen a, this fucking gunny so crazy pissed and literally just a mass punishment for this whole him being pissed. It just was crazy. So he has us all out on um, the basketball courts, and we're all out there. And then he, at this point in time, he sends us to go clean a portion. Like, he'll be like, Go clean your left sink because we had like two sinks, and he'd be like, "Go clean your left sink, of uh, the knob." And then he would sit there and freaking count us down. And I mean, here you got a whole shit ton of Marines trying to run. And I mean, the uh, the barracks about three stories tall, and so you got the guys fucking who live at the top running all the way from the bottom to the top, and you know it just sucked. And it, Obviously, every time he sent us, it was to fail us in everything we did. He literally made us do everything kind of like how it was back in boot camp again. He became a fucking drill instructor and had us doing everything by the numbers, and we could never accomplish it no matter what. He would give us like ungodly times for f people to get from the fucking third deck way at the fucking other end. And all the way down to this basketball court. There was it was impossible for us to make it within like twenty seconds and shit like that. So he just brought his uh, you know fury upon us, like becoming a drill instructor, and everything we did was all by the numbers. And the motherfucker, after he did that, still the next more uh, that later on that evening, he had all the NCOs go through. And he made them fail us one more fucking time. But this time he just said they fail, make them clean. And so we had to clean basically all night Friday night. And they had the uh, staff NCOs and NCOs. They had to stay around and basically kind of guard the barracks and make sure no one fucking left. So <laughs> they had us in there just playing fuck fuck games until uh, I say about zero six uh, the next morning. They let us go to sleep and shit like that. I'm not gonna say they kept us up all night. They they kept us up till about ten p.m. Then they allowed us all to go to sleep. Zero six the next morning we needed to be up and outside of our rooms ready for inspection. Well. I guess they had enough fucking with us, and uh, maybe someone told them to knock it off. I don't know, but 06, Saturday morning, they finally let us loose again for Liberty. I mean, it was, I mean, I hated, I honestly hated being in Supply Battalion barracks. Um, the amount of games they played, it was horrible. They also do did, like, um, these lines of police calls where they all had us all online you know basically shoulder to shoulder walking through the parking lot step by step they'll be like all right left foot everybody step boom and we all take a step look down pick up any trash that's around you all right right foot step 
everybody take a right foot step. Now look at the trash around you. I mean, it was so so much fuckery. I couldn't even. <laughs> it it honestly would drive me shit crazy with it. And there was some fucking corporals that sucked at being leaders, and you know they took the being an NCO to their head and. They would try to be degrading to the PFCs or the privates and make them do stupid ass shit. Like literally be standing over some trash and, you know, pointing at the trash, telling them, hey, come pick up this fucking trash, PFC. And you're like, hey, motherfucker, you're standing right over it. You know, in your head, you're like, you fucking do it. Well, one time I got tired of the corporals doing that shit and they tried to fucking devil dog me as well, you know, or punk me out. And I was like, no, nah, I ain't having that shit. This corporal did the same kind of bullshit, stood over his trash, tried to tell me, I was a PSC at the time, hey, PSC, you need to come pick up this trash. And I was like, I was like, no, no, corporal. I'll do respect. The trash is, uh, you're standing right over the trash. I'm not going to be your bitch and pick up that trash. And my gosh, this dude's trying to sit there and fucking reams me out. And he's not my NCO. Well, a good NCO as she was, uh, she came, my NCO, she came over and she was like, Hey, who the fuck are you? And basically, um, she punked out that, she devil dogged that fucking corporal and, uh, told his ass to fucking, he could pick up that trash and sure as shit, he left me alone after that and didn't have any other words, but some of these, you know, young corporals, you know, we'll just say in high school, maybe they, you know, weren't, they were picked on or whatever, but some of these guys, when they get themselves into rank, it goes right to their dome and they become, you know, pure assholes and try to dick you around any chance they get and it's unfortunate because it creates bad relationships and you see that kind of stuff play out when you end up deploying into the combat zone so you know treat your fucking fellow marines with respect man because you never know when you're going to absolutely need them the most So as you can imagine, field day over there at Supply Bit Time was basically for the crows. <laughs> but, yeah. You know, uh, other than that, though, I didn't really mind living in the barracks there. Uh, they were nice barracks, uh, good people. Um, I had, like, a PlayStation and stuff that I played and kind of passed some of the time. Um, but other than the field days, well, and they, they had... They did have, um, like, um, barracks duty where guards would have to walk around and make sure there would be, like, an NCO and then, like, one of us would have to do duty. And you usually pulled the barracks duty, like, I think it was about once a month because it would go through the entire company, at least it was supposed to. And so the duty was a, it's like a pretty much a 24-hour shift you you watch uh the post you walk around the rooms make sure that no one left their doors unlocked uh, make sure if their blinds are supposed to be open their blinds are supposed to be open if uh someone's on some kind of restriction your duties to make sure that they're not doing anything and they have this whole logbook duty logbook thing that you're supposed to write in if there's any incidences or something happens during your watch because you're supposed to report everything um and if it doesn't get reported and they find out about it man it's your ass you definitely um need to make sure you reported stuff 
Um, what else? Uh, there was rules, you know, in the barracks too. Uh, if you did have a female inside the room, the the all um all all your feet must be touching the ground. You're not supposed to have any um, feet off the ground. So that's another thing. Oh, and your door's supposed to be left wide open as well as uh, your blinds or your curtains. They were pretty strict on that. They didn't want uh, females in the room. But, my gosh, I'm not going to sit there in front and say, like, yeah, that never happened. <laughs> yeah, right. It's really hard. And not only that, but a lot of times, you know, the duty is your buddies. Like, one of your buddies, and you know that fool. And um, sometimes they're, they'll kind of, like, turn their eye to some shit that they're supposed to not be turning their eye to but the only time that that kind of comes to bust their ass is there's like a battalion duty as well and that guy is supposed to go around checking on all the barracks duty people so they do kind of uh you know watch over each other and and like you never know when it's going to happen either because it's not like it's scheduled or it's always they come unannounced of course because of when they're going to catch some motherfuckers when they're unannounced so uh, you always got to be careful. You're you're always running a risk if you're you're not adhering to the barracks rules. You never know when uh, someone could uh, come and check on your ass that you don't want to. And sometimes even your your bosses and shit, your staff NCOs, they'll just show up to the barracks one fucking day and go through everybody's room and just check on you and see how you're doing, make sure you're living right, not doing anything you're not supposed to be doing. I mean, so that's one thing, you know, you're in the military, you're definitely watched over a lot. (laughs) Um, But going to work every day was kind of like a normal job when I, I worked in supply. And when I got into... Uh, where I was working, they put me in what was called the bins area. And um, the bins area, it was small components like little nuts and bolts and all these things that were used within tanks, um, weaponry, you name it. We kind of stored it. And we would have, I don't know, thousands and thousands of different locations. And they did like to fuck with us a lot because they could fuck with us in many ways and they would do these uh weekend long inventories so we would have to do a three count on every single location now in the storage world there's what we call bins which is the smaller stuff there's and then there's kind of like a medium bulk um type area which is kind of the medium just as it sounds medium type of uh gear and then we have the bulk area which is where we store all the big items and stuff like that it's a huge uh thing in the warehouse world and there's thousands and thousands of location and whenever they do these wall-to-wall inventories you got to count every single location and they make everybody do a three count uh so they'll do one marine counts you know this many locations then they'll hand over a clipboard to a second marine. That marine will go through, do the another inventory through those locations that that first person. If there's any discrepancy within that, a lot of times there would be a third count, you know. And if they really want to fuck with you, there was already a third count, maybe even a fourth count, if things were not aligning and you kept messing shit up. So it behoove you to get shit right. Um... Let's see, like working with everybody and stuff like that. Uh, there was a lot of fuckery in um, our 
<laughs> our area. Um, a lot of, hey, if you're a new person, there's different ways to fuck with you in the supply world. Um, they do these things called ID10T forms, which means if you spell it out on a, uh, on a paper, it spells out idiot. And so a lot of times you would do this to the new guys who didn't know any better and you would send them on their way to go get to go get an ID10T form from like a staff NCO or someone who you know would be like what the fuck do you bother me for you always send them to the most asshole guy and so um I got done, I got done up a little bit myself. I didn't. It wasn't the ID ten T form with me. How they got me is they made me. <laughs> and uh, Jimenez, if you're listening to this, I know you were uh, one of the ones who did this. Um, they put me on uh, search to go look for a light bulb repair kit, which <laughs> there's not such a thing. But they made some little number up, and I was going around looking in computers, and then they would be like, well, you should go ask Sassart about that, and, and you know, just to find out these guys were uh, fucking with us. But you know what? That's the best part about being a Marine is the fuckery part. There's a lot of fun and, and just busting each other's balls and, and having a good time. We, we didn't live in a day when everybody took things to to the extreme and 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 got very uh butt hurt don't get me wrong there was some guys that were a little bit sensitive than others but for the most part everybody was good at taking it and you know receive i mean receiving it and giving it um but another thing that we did that was super fun in our world is because like we had different departments there was even uh receiving and shipping and like i said there was the bulk area the big bulk well in those different departments we would basically team up and and gang up on each other and there would be these big fucking wrestling fest with everybody and slamming each other because we had these docks in the back where everybody would go smoke cigarettes and and uh shoot the shit every once in a while and that was kind of where we all would meet up well eventually it started getting like clicky and every time the staff ncos would leave it would turn into like this big ass war and we would take dudes and um, like say they'd be walking through our little area we'd grab them and then go fucking saran wrap them up and then put them on location <laughs> and oh man we did all kinds of fuckery things it, it was a lot of fun and i think uh it brought us together brought us closer um you know here's a whole bunch of guys we don't know each other but we're having a good time and it just you know builds up some great camaraderie and you know i had some of my best times probably you know when we were just fucking around (laughs) um being ourselves and and being able to laugh and not having to be so serious about everything um but it was a lot of fun um what else what else so oh um also i was fortunate enough i love playing football uh i ended up getting approached of course because i always had some broad soldiers and i was uh shoulders and i was a little bit bigger um so they approached me and said hey man you want to try out and play for the football team and i'm like oh shit you guys got football and then Come to find out, it's 11-on-11, you know, full contact, pads, everything. And I'm like, oh, hell yeah. And he's like, you know, basically, in in lieu of you having to do PT with everybody, you're going to go to football practice in the mornings, you know. And I'm like, all right, cool. So um, 
I did it five days a week versus like the you know the standard three days a week of uh, PT and I absolutely love you know being able to go play on the football team um, I loved playing football I thought you know once I was done with high school and I made the decision to be a Marine that uh, my days of playing football were pretty much behind me and I wasn't going to be playing ever again. So finding out that I could play in the Marine Corps on the Marine team, I was like, hell yeah, man. And it, I don't have to sit there and do the whole left, right, or left, you know, all the time in formation. I get to kind of go, um, although, you know, being in the Marine football team, uh, they can definitely do a lot more things than uh, I think they can on the outside for sure. And there's a lot more ways to fuck with you. But I had so much fun being on the team. It was a great experience meeting a whole bunch of guys. Unfortunately... Um, it all came very much to an end once uh, 9/11 happened, um, because you know the our everything changed. We went from being, you know, not uh, at a peacetime to now we're being attacked and we may have a threat that we got to go deal with. So the whole uh, demeanor on base had changed. Now, um, what I'm going to go ahead and do is I'll go ahead and kind of talk to you guys a little bit about my experience and the day you know the of 9-11 and where I was at and and how things changed for me all right so September 11th 2001 all right so that day was pretty much any ordinary different you know not no different from any other day um woke up had to go to work the only difference was is that I had an eye appointment that I had to go to and it was sometime in the morning I don't exactly remember the exact time so I go to my eye appointment they got me in the waiting room um, sitting there waiting and they had a, a TV on with the news and all of a sudden it was like a, we interrupt this you know program type of uh, thing and it was the news coming on and it had a clip of a fucking plane running into a building and i'm just like whoa what the fuck is that i think my you know my initial reaction is like man how could a pilot do that how how could a pilot just run his plane into a fucking building and i'm just like man that had to totally be some kind of a a pilot error or something like that you know and so we're sitting there watching it, and as we're watching it, I'm like, oh, shit, another fucking plane hits the other building. And now I'm like, oh, my gosh, this can't be right. There's no way. What are the odds of two pilots having, you know, some pilot errors and running into buildings? So at this moment in time, I think everybody who's in this waiting room is just complete silent and, and like, what the fuck is going on? And so, of course, you know, I have my um, eye appointment and I can't get too invested into this. So as I'm sitting there, the they call me back and I, you know, I go back into do my um, eye exam. Well, after the eye exam's over, I get sent back to uh, storage, which is the place I worked in Ben's. And I get there and it's fucking like a ghost town. And I'm like, it's it's like kind of weird like what the fuck where is everybody at it just has this weird vibe to it and 
um, there's a sergeant walking around, and he's like, hey, hey, Roof, you need to get back to your room. Uh, they're doing a fucking bunk on, um, uh, shit, uh, what is it, uh, bunk on, something like, some, and it's, it's a, an inspection, basically, where, um, junk on the bunk is what the fuck it's called, jeez, junk on the bunk inspection, where we gotta put all of our gear on our bed, and, it's inspected and there's a whole fucking display of how it's supposed to be and i'm like what the fuck man and i'm thinking oh shit it's it has to deal with this these planes hitting the buildings and um he also said hey call your family you know let them know that uh you're not going to be able to leave here i i can't tell you how long you also might be getting shipped out and i'm like what and uh the base is completely shut down. No one's allowed to come in. No one's allowed to leave. Um, and I'm like, wow. So here I, I go back to my fucking room. And uh, at this point in time, I didn't have any um, roommates in there. So I get in my room. I'm fucking by myself. And they're telling us, like, we can't leave our room. And I'm sitting there like, dude, I, I don't know what to think of any of this. Because I wasn't there when everybody got the word. And out was, you know how it was digested to them, I don't even know, um, I just was told, go to my room, call my family, let them know that I might be leaving, and have my shit ready, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, so, you know, I go back to the room, call my family, and I don't even know what to tell them, I'm just like, I don't know what's gonna happen, um, I just was told that we gotta call you guys, let you know that we're safe, uh, we don't really know what's gonna go on, and I, you know, at that point in time, the world didn't really know what was happening. You know, we didn't know who the attack was coming from, what the attack was, uh, you know, so we didn't really know how to defend it. I think they're just, they didn't know where it was all going to stop because there started being other reports of other planes being hijacked and, and other things were starting to happen that were detrimental to our nation's security. So, they locked everybody down until they obviously could figure shit out. Um, I don't re remember exactly how long we were locked down, but I do know that um, things on base, you know, from that point on would never be the same. And I think this is probably a good point in, in time to stop, uh, keep you guys a little bit on edge. I'll kind of start pick up the next episode in how life was after 9-11, um, because things definitely changed. Now, I did not deploy right away when 2001 hits. I wouldn't deploy until 2003. So um, I'll go ahead and, like I said, kind of fill you guys in and, uh, and, and let you know how different things were for us and um, what, you know, our mission from being, you know, uh, peacetime Marines to now we may be fighting um, a war it just changes things drastically. But hey guys, I hope you guys are really enjoying this uh, show so far. I really appreciate all the love and support that you guys have shown me. It's so appreciative. Um, it keeps the show running. I really would love to build this uh, community up into a, a place where everybody feels cool and a place to chill, come tell your stories. And hey guys, I know a lot of my show is geared towards veterans and it seems that way. 
But hey, my life hasn't always been in the Marine Corps and military. I was a dad. I've been divorced. You know, we're going to get to all those points in my life. So just bear with me if you're not into, uh, you know, the, the military military stories. I also have thrown in th- uh, Throwback Thursdays to where we talk about, uh, we just talked about the 80s. We talked about the 90s. We talked about the 2000s. And then we'll kind of start going back into like the 60s, the 70s. And we'll see how far it goes. I'm only going to do a couple of the Throwback Thursdays and see how it's, uh, you know, received. And also, guys, this whole show, I'm trying to, you know, enhance it, make it better. I'm trying to get uh, some gear that's going to make that all possible. Also, a big goal of mine is to move this and to make it not only be an audio broadcasting, but also a visual one so I can do video broadcasting. I think that would be a lot of fun to, you know, show my face, show my reactions. I talk with my hands. I make funny uh, facial expressions. So uh, maybe some of you guys don't even want to look at my ugly face, but and you'll be able to listen to me audio only. So anyways, um, enough is enough. I'm not going to talk much more because you guys know, listening to me, I sure as hell can talk, right? Anyways, have a great day. Don't let the day get the best of you. You, you get the best of today. Arr!